0: The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment.
1: Hey, hey. Welcome, Disability Law Show. So good to have you here. I hope you can stick around for the entire hour. There's much to be learned if you are dealing with a long-term disability insurance company. Maybe you're trying to get on claim. They're denying you. Maybe you've been cut off. Maybe asked to appeal. Either way, it's probably Bottles of Tylenol, you're going through dealing with these folks. There is some help right here, and that is this show weekly. So tune in, strap down, and listen up. You're going to learn a lot over the next hour. Reaching out, by the way, to either Savannah Tamarkin, co founding partner, San Fierro Tamarkin LLP, or our pal Martin Willems on the West Coast, uh, you can do so 1 855 821 5900. 1 855 821 5900. Help at disabilityrights.ca. Regardless of their geographical location, uh, Savannah and his uh, firm Always ready to help across the country, outside of Quebec, you are in good hands, so don't hesitate to reach out to any time. Guys, we have a lot to get through. Emails are already coming in, but I want to get into the main topic of the day to kick the show off. I think it's a good way to start, and that would be a very topical topic, uh, the difference between a denial of LTD and a cutoff of benefits and what you should do next. Point number one is this, Savannah. what is the difference between an LTD denial and being cut off of LTD?
2: Excellent question, and it is a question that I do get, actually, from some listeners and viewers of our show, John. The reality, the practical reality is that the overall effect of an LTD denial or a cutoff of long-term disability benefits is essentially the same, which is that you as a claimant are not getting the money that you are owed by the insurance company. However, they are two different things, so let's break them down. An LTD denial is when you have applied for long-term disability through your work benefits, uh, you have coverage, uh, or you have a private policy, you've made an application, you have doctor support, and the insurance company comes back, sends you a letter, and says you are denied for this reason or that. So you've never even seen a cent from the insurance company, they just denied you outright. That's an LTD denial. We deal with those each and every day. We get the insurance companies to reverse those denials or we get them to the table through the legal process by applying pressure on them Uh, and they they come to the table and we negotiate a resolution. The point is a denial turns into money in our client's pockets. Mm -hmm. But being cut off LTD is different. Being cut off LTD means that you have been receiving LTD, so at least for a period of time initially, the insurance company has agreed that you are disabled from working. Now, we have seen people who have been cut off LTD after a week, after a month, after a year, after 10 years even. The whole point is, though, that the insurance company has been paying you for a period of time, and then they've stopped paying you, again, for this reason or that reason. Now, even with a cutoff of LTD, we can break those into two separate sections. There are those situations where we have people call us and they say, I've been cut off LTD a month ago or a year ago, uh, and here's the reason, can you help me? And generally, we can help. We can force the insurance company to pay you what you're owed. And then there are the other types of people, which I really like when we get those kinds of phone calls, when they say, look, the insurance company has said that they're going to cut me off. They haven't done so already, but they've given me the heads up. They've said that they will cut me off in a week, a month, a year. I've seen it as far out as 12 months. Uh Uh, I'll get Martin's thoughts about this in a second, but the point is the insurance company is telling you, we're not cutting you off now, but for this reason or that, your LTD benefits will end at some point in the near future, and they usually give you a precise date. So that is the difference an ltd denial is an outright denial of your initial ltd application a cutoff is when the insurance company has cut off your your benefits after paying you for a certain period of time and again we deal with both of those scenarios and we are successful very often with both of those scenarios meaning that we get insurance companies to pay our clients what they owed
1: martin what do you think pal
2: yeah, thanks
3: for that so yeah. <laughs> briefly so uh, It's interesting that Savon spoke about the one that they may deny the claim when they have been paying the claim uh 12 months in advance so i actually had somebody this week who had a similar circumstance he is being paid benefits uh, and the insurance company is saying that come july of 2023 they're going to deny his claim now strange circumstance because how would the insurance company know that by july 2023 he's no longer going to be totally disabled and further to what Savan was saying, there's the change of definitions. So in other words, you have to prove during the first two years, generally it's the first two years, um, that you are unable to perform the duties of your own occupation. And beyond that, if you're still disabled, then you have to prove you're unable to perform the duties of any other occupation based on your education training experience. And that's exactly what's happening here. So good thing this gentleman did reach out to us because he obviously sees the running on the wall. They haven't said it in writing it, but they are going to deny his claim eight months in advance now think about that uh benefits are going to be paid until that time they say so but then it is going to stop so that means he's being cut off LTD because the insurance company has made a decision in advance without knowing where things will be eight months from now whether he will you know whether there will be improvement whether things will have gone gotten worse uh there's no input from the doctor yet so we do see cases like that now and again and the good thing the great thing is that he reached out to us because now we can decide how to proceed we can discuss his options with him uh, and he has options we can get involved and help him with that and i'm very very confident that we will be helpful in a very successful manner so just for other people to know out there we offer these consultations on a know, on a free basis. So it's Mm -hmm. worthwhile for people to reach out to us, especially like Savant says, if they just tell you we are going to do this, haven't done it yet, pick up the phone because it's a very stressful situation to be in. And then you can discuss your options and at least make an informed decision.
1: And that number, that uh, we're speaking of one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Back into the topic, though, guys, a difference between denial of LTD and cutoff of benefits. Uh, number two, I'll throw this one to you, Martin, and that is, you know, we, we know that doctors are an integral part in uh, dealing with an insurance company, staying on LTD, getting on LTD, because it's all about the gatekeeper of your health, which is your medical team. Can your doctor help if you've been either denied or cut off LTD? So
3: if the doctor, if your claim is denied, in other words, you have not been paid, you've submitted an application, Mm -hmm. the insurance company doesn't agree that you meet the definition of disability. Remember that when you applied, you had to submit what is called an attending physician statement, which is something that is completed by your doctor, be it your family doctor, be it a specialist. And the reason why the doctor would have completed that, one would think, is because they did support your claim that you are disabled from performing the duties of your own occupation. Um, If your claim were to be denied after you had been paid, or cut off rather, after you had been paid for a period of time, they may not have even sought the doctor's input. They may just have decided we're going to review the claim, look at what we have, have one of our internal doctors who are on our payroll review your claim and then make a decision uh, based on what they say Not necessarily on what your doctor says. So I've seen many cases where the insurance company has denied the claim and has said to the insured in the letter of denial, we hear what your doctor has to say. It's just one of the factors that we considered in reaching the decision that we have made. So can the doctor help in those circumstances? yes because your duty is to see your doctor on a regular basis so you can see your doctor on a regular basis so that he can then he or she can then write a letter to support your claim if there were to be a denial or if you were to be cut off but then you're in a situation where they've already made that decision so your doctor may be helpful or your doctor may even write letters that may be written with good intentions but may ultimately be harmful to your claim and in that context I do want to say your doctors are in the best position to give an opinion because they see you regularly. They have the benefit of actually, well, these days lots of it is done by phone, but there are still cases where the insurance get seen by their family doctors face to face because the insurance companies' doctors don't have that opportunity. They just review records and make decisions. And remember, they're paid by the insurance company ultimately. So your doctor would be, one would think, in the best position to give an opinion on what your restrictions and limitations are. So, doctors do get involved in these cases, but ultimately, if the insurance company has already made that decision, yeah. it probably makes sense to really speak to a lawyer.
1: You know, Savannah, one of the first things we say when we start every show is, you know, reach out to you guys if you have any concerns, ask some questions, you know, the phone number, the email as well. But, the timing really, when should someone contact you and uh, about a denial or cutoff? At what point?
2: Immediately. Absolutely. Immediately. One of the biggest mistakes we see people make is waiting. So again, let me give you a few scenarios. A person was denied LTD when they thought that there was no way that they could possibly be denied. And I've seen this happen with people who are uh, suffering from cancer, who have very, you know, really terrible diseases where they have specialists that have written on their behalf saying this person is unable to work. And yet the insurance company comes back with some dumb denial that really makes zero sense. And again, people are in shock. I've seen this also happen with cutoffs. So again, people are in shock. They don't know what to do. You immediately think that, you know, there is this power imbalance, the perceived power imbalance between you as a regular person who's disabled and your family behind you and the insurance company, this billion dollar entity. And so people don't necessarily think to contact us immediately because they're trying to process what's happened. The second thing they're thinking is, okay, can I somehow convince the insurance company, the adjuster that's made the decision that they made this terrible error? Clearly they haven't seen the light. Clearly I can, you know, convince them or explain to them. And so they go through the process of trying to convince by way of an appeal or some other form of begging the insurance company to reverse decision. And you know you got to think to yourself, who are you begging here? It's an insurance company. They see things black and white. They care about revenues, profits, and that's that. The second mistake that we see quite often is when people are told that they will be cut off long-term disability, and they simply wait. They think that somehow, again, they can convince the insurance company to reverse course. They think that they have time to do an appeal, and if an appeal doesn't work, maybe then they'll contact us. Not understanding that, you know, we are pretty good at what they do. In fact, I think we're excellent at what we do. But it does take some time. So if we're, if you're told, you know, as Martin said, he had that person he spoke with. That person will be cut off. We're told they'll be cut off, Ltd. Mid next year. We may very well be able to resolve the claim by then, such that there is no gap. You know, there, there are no, there's no time where the insurance company is not paying this person anything, right? However, if that person waits until July of next year when they're cut off and then they come to us, it may take us a few months, a year, half a year, whatever it may take us to get the money. But during that time, they are without funds. So again, the mistake is delay. Don't delay. You don't. You may not want to hire us. That's okay. But at least get the information to empower yourself so you understand what your options are. At that point, you'll be confident and you'll know what you want to do and you can make an informed decision.
1: Lots of emails to get through, Uh, guys. First, got to take a small break and get right back into it uh, with that time that... We're going to uh, go down for a moment here. I'll give you the numbers, one 821 5900 That's the phone number, of course. Email help at disabilityrights.ca. That's where we're going next. And mydisabilityquestions.com is another free and anonymous website for you to insert questions and get them answered by uh, Savan or Martin or a member of their team as well, mydisabilityquestions.com. And we will return after a short break. This is the Disability Law Show.
0: You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment.
1: All right. Welcome back to Disability Law Show. Thanks for hanging in there. You're thinking, okay, how do I reach out to Savan or Martin or their teams? It's really easy. The phone call is uh, no pressure, no stress. Just have a, a conversation with the guys off the, off the hopper. They'll hook you up with a member of their team as well best across the country for sure. one 821 5900 For any concerns, email help at disabilityrights.ca. Before we get into those, I know you had something that you were uh, working on and wanted to bring on air and talk about. Uh, Savannah, what would it be?
2: Yeah, John, I had an interesting um, call earlier this week with somebody actually just outside of Vancouver, and this person was uh was told that their LTD would be cut off shortly. We just talked about people who've been you know who who, who were told that their LTD will be cut off. And here's a situation. So this gentleman, 54 years old, mechanical engineer, and he suffers from depression. And I'll, I'll tell you exactly why he suffers from that. Uh, but before I tell you that I'll tell you that the insurance company had denied his application off the bat on the basis of what they say is a lack of medical support uh for his depression. Uh, and by the way, he has a psychologist that's treating him. I've seen the letters from the psychologist. They're pretty, you know, unequivocal that this person cannot work. And when I give you the scenario here, the background, you'll think to yourself, what are these people doing on the insurance company side? But I'm just going to highlight to you how, you know, the kind of cases that we see and the kind of craziness we see on the insurance side to highlight the fact that insurance companies make these kinds of mistakes all the time. And that's why we get involved to correct these errors. In this case, this person is suffering from depression because his mother had died uh, earlier this year in Ukraine because of the war. Wow. So so you, you understand, I mean, how can anybody that, that, that you know, reads any newspapers, listens to news, just lives in this world knowing what's happening on the other side of the world, you know, and, and seeing this person on an application uh, you know, understanding what the context is here, say to themselves that there is no medical support. I mean, leaving aside the fact that I've reviewed the medical records or the the, the letters from the psychologist, and 100% this person has a claim, just the context. I mean, I don't even need to see a psychologist's letter to say that if somebody tells me that they're in deep depression and can't work because of something like this, because of a war zone situation that a family member, your mother has been killed in this context. I mean, it is just, again, why am I highlighting this? Because we have seen just the most crazy cases out there with insurance companies taking insane positions. And in many cases, by the way, Martin, I'm sure you can speak to this, when we've gotten involved, in some of these cases, they're just so outlandish that when we get involved, the insurance company gets scared. They sometimes get their lawyers involved, either in-house or external lawyers, and they reverse course just by getting our letter. Just, just knowing that we are involved, they immediately reverse course saying, oh, we made a mistake. So my point is our letterhead, our firm letterhead has power. Our reputation precedes us. There is a reason why when we get involved in a long-term disability case, insurance companies take notice, they deal with us seriously, and when we are working for you as someone who has been denied or cut off long-term disability, you have to understand, it's not just that we're working for you, it's that our reputation as a firm is working for you. Martin's reputation, my reputation, James's, Albert's, Tamar's, all the members of our long-term disability team, we are working for you to help you with your insurance company and to make sure that they pay you exactly
1: what you're owed. Love it, just love it. Let's get into a let's get into an email here, guys. Uh, again, the address is help at disabilityrights.ca. First one up, uh, short and sweet, Emmanuel says, I refuse to go back to work on a gradual return and the insurance said, they're gonna stop the claim I'm receiving. Is it possible?
3: Well, well th- th- thanks, Emmanuel, for sending in that email. Uh, Probably we need a little bit more information on that, but let me speak about this in a general sense. If the insurance company is suggesting that you do a gradual return to work, that generally would be to something that you are qualified to do, maybe your own occupation. The question is, are you medically able, from a functional perspective, to participate in a gradual return? remember that the insurance company is very very motivated to end benefits if they are paying benefits which is happening yet because they want him to go back to work on a gradual return so that they can end his benefits i don't know the context of where this comes from whether the insurance company had emmanuel attend some form of a, a rehab program or whether they got an independent medical examination opinion on this or whether they've just internally decided that emmanuel is now ready to return to work The process for them to do that is they're the ones making the decision so they can just do it. But what does Emmanuel do? He says he refuses. Now, is he refusing based on his doctor's opinion, his doctor's input? Because that's what I would suggest is necessary here. If the insurance company, and I've seen this many times and I know Savon has as well, If the insurance company says to you, we have decided that you are going to participate in a gradual return to work now, this is the program, and it quite often would be a a month maybe, maybe six weeks, and by the end of that time frame, you now have to be back at full-time work because we've decided, we've got the evidence to push you to do that. We've always suggested to clients in those situations or people who phone us to speak to their doctors, to get their doctor's input as well. Because if the doctor does not sign off on the Gradual Return to Work program, listen to your doctor, follow your doctor's advice. The doctor is in the best position, of, as, as I've said earlier, to make an informed decision on whether you are able to perform in a Gradual Return to Work program. And Emmanuel's guys, if he says he refuses to do so, I'm going to assume that he has his doctor's support to do so, to not do so, rather. And if the insurance company decides to take his, to end his claim, as they are doing now, we'll review the claim and we'll get further information from Emmanuel exactly as to how this came about. And we can pr- most probably assist Emmanuel in that context with this denial because insurance companies push people back to work quite often when they simply are not ready to do so. What has happened in other instances is we've seen cases where people have participated in a gradual return to work because they felt compelled to do so and in those con- contexts the in the insured the person who then made the claim who ended up participating in the gradual return ended up having an exacerbation a worsening of their condition which prolonged any potential recovery or may have set back any potential recovery that they've already had so it really is crucial in those circumstances to get the doctor involved but most importantly to speak to us as well so that you can understand what your rights are and what your options are
1: Emmanuel, nicely done. Appreciate that. You've got the email, obviously. Here's the phone number, just in case you didn't get it down, one 5900 Guys, we'll move on to uh, to Tiffany. Tiffany's up next. Says, hey, guys. John, I, uh, John, yeah. sir-
2: Sorry to interrupt. Just, yep. if I can go back to that email, I know we okay. have a ton of emails to go through here, but just one thing. Yep. I agree with everything Martin said. But one of the things that when people ask me, can I refuse a graduate return to work program? I, I talk to them about everything Martin just mentioned. But one of the things I tell people, and this, this applies also to the con, in, in the, in the context of, can I refuse to go to a, a, a insurance IME? scheduled IME medical yeah. assessment with one of their doctors? And I tell, ne- I, I always tell them never refuse something from the insurance company when it comes to these kinds of issues. Always say, here are my concerns. Make sure you you confirm this in writing with them. So, for example, when you say, uh, you know, can I refuse to go back to work? I think a better way to, to articulate that, again, in line with I think what Martin said is, you know i'm going to speak with my doctor and i'm going to i'm going to see what my doctor says and based on that we'll make a a decision as to whether or not i am ready that makes you look reasonable remember everything is documented especially if you put it in writing so that if down the road the insurance company cuts you off and we go back in time and look at the com- contemporaneous records, the communications between you and the adjusters. Uh, we can take a look to see what happened. And if it ever, you know, ever goes to court, which by the way, these cases almost never end in court. But if they were to end up in front of a judge, you look reasonable, and the adjuster looks unreasonable. No judge is ever going to say if they were to look at this that somehow you were unreasonable in checking with your doctor, your treating doctor, as to whether or not you are ready to go back to work. It simply makes sense. So again, I wouldn't say refuse outright, simply explain to the insurance company, again, same thing with a, uh, a medical assessment, that you would like to comply, but you need to check to make sure that you are ready. And in the case of a medical assessment, you know if it's an unreasonable request, let's say they want you to go somewhere far, far away, I don't know, 10 hours drive, hmm. you say, listen, I'm not refusing to do this assessment, I understand I have an obligation under the policy, but I may need you to arrange transportation for me, or I may need to stay overnight, or whatever the situation may be. So be very careful of saying I refuse. If you say I refuse, you know, this could trigger the insurance company saying non compliance, non compliance with the terms of the policy. So you got to be careful with that.
1: Guys, we'll move on to uh, Tiffany. If we've got enough time, uh, this segment, anyway, we'll, we'll break into it and see how far we get. Tiffany's email as follows says, I've been on LTD, long-term disability, since 2018. I'm not ready to return. However, I want to know my options. If I'm ready to do, I do so, if I have a job to return to. If it's been over 24 months and I work for the Ministry of Corrections and my job has been filled, does my employer have to find a job for me? My concern is when I'm ready. I don't have anything to return to. I'm just wondering my rights.
2: It's an excellent question, Tiffany, and this actually highlights, John, the interplay between employment law and LTD law, which we see quite frequently at the firm. Remember, we are uniquely positioned. Not many law firms out there in Canada do both long-term disability and employment law. Many of them may say that they do, but our firm actually has employment lawyers and long-term disability lawyers. Now, Tiffany, you're asking, I mean, you're saying you've been on LTD since 2018. So we're talking at least, at least, you know, four years here, three to four years, which means you are beyond that two-year mark. The insurance company has clearly agreed that you cannot perform the essential tasks of any occupation for which you're suited for, which is a more difficult test than for the first two years of being on LTD. So the question of whether or not you'll be ready to go back to work, that's another question that's between you and your doctor. But your question is, will your employer be obligated to take you back, and in what position? And that's something that I would ask you to speak with one of our employment lawyers. Again, they talk about these kinds of issues all the time, and it does vary, I think, from jurisdiction to jurisdiction, depending on the province. Uh, it does depend. I will tell you this, though that employers have an obligation to keep uh, to keep positions open for employees uh there are repercussions if employers do fire individuals or don't find them a position when they're ready to come back again it does depend on how long you've been off there are various issues in employment law and I'm not an employment lawyer Martin's not an employment lawyer but we know enough to tell you that these are legitimate and good questions that we would want you to get answers to from one of our employment lawyers. So again, John, I just want to highlight the fact that we do have employment lawyers and LTD lawyers, and we often communicate amongst each other because many cases do in fact have joint issues. People who are in LTD have employment issues, just like Tiffany here. People who have employment issues sometimes encounter disability issues. And so you know we're very well equipped to to have that group of lawyers that can help you on both fronts.
1: Tiffany, nicely done. Let's take a quick break. Get back into more emails as well. You want to send one along in the meantime for this show or a later date, you can do so, help at disabilityrights.ca. The phone number you can use, 1-855-821-5900. We'll continue. This is the Disability Law Show. All right, welcome back, Disability Law Show. Good to have you along for the ride. The email is a good way to uh, to contact uh, Martin or Savannah, the respective teams, anytime. You'll get answers quickly. It might appear on a future show as well. Maybe not, depends. You can outline that in your email as well. And that is help at disabilityrights.ca. Phone number for you to use anytime: one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. 1-855-821-5900. You also have the option of mydisabilityquestions.com. That's a great website. It's for you to ask questions both uh Freely and anonymously, there's a searchable database on that too, so you can look to see if a similar question to yours has been put in there, inserted previously. Just read the answer. Really simple. If not, leave yours there, and uh, it will get answered as well. Moving on to Trevor, guys. Sent an email along. Says, hi, guys. I have some questions about my current transition to LTD on september 28th i spoke with the assistant to my case manager for about an hour to update her on my current situation i've been off work on std short term since the end of may 2022 due to severe back pain and no use of my right hand and arm i'm now transitioning to ltd i've had two previous back surgeries for degenerative discs however we currently do not have a definitive diagnosis what's causing my back pain now or loss of right hand and arm I have upcoming appointments with specialists at the end of October and November, and I'm currently taking prescription medications for pain and high blood pressure. In our phone conversation last Wednesday, the assistant informed me that my review would take less than a week. Today, I called the insurance company for an update. They stated my claim went to a secondary independent review as of yesterday, but did not state why. They said this independent review can take up to 15 days. Is this a standard practice, or why would my claim be independently reviewed? I informed them that I need to know when a decision will be made and when I can expect payment as I have rent and groceries, bills, etc., etc. to take care of. I'm struggling physically. I do not want to suffer financially and emotionally. I'm now stressed because I don't know uh, what to tell my landlord when I can pay my bills. Can you please assist me in this matter so my rights are not violated?" And please feel free to uh, respond any time. That is a tough situation Trevor's in.
3: Trevor is in a tough situation, you know, and we hear similar stories so often when people are dealing with this delay in having a response from the insurance company. And I've seen many where the person says to me, the insurance company said to me that they're going to have a decision to me by next week, Friday. And then that doesn't happen. And then there's a further delay and a further delay. And of course, you don't want to suffer financially and emotionally. When you're already dealing with physical pain, you're not already unable to work, there's already no money coming in. How stressful must this be to be dealing with this? There's a lot to unpack here, though. So first thing I did want to touch on is when Trevor says they do not have a definitive diagnosis yet as to what's causing the back pain or of the loss or the right arm use, remember that a disability claim is based on impairment of function. Diagnosis is important, yes, but much more important is are you able to perform the essential duties of your own occupation? Because Trevor is basically transitioning into LTD. And the fact that short-term had already been paid Mm -hmm. Similar definition, so it would be surprising, well, surprising I suppose (laughs) is not the right word, if it were to be denied here, there is a case to be made just on that point at least. Now, there's also this independent review, I question the word independent, the insurance company (laughs) is literally having some other doctor review the claim, Is that independent? I'm not convinced. Lots of these doctors are on the payroll. It doesn't sound like it's an independent medical examination where they're literally sending Trevor somewhere else for uh, for that doctor to review, although the insurance company is still the entity paying that doctor. Here it is somebody who is internal, who's reviewing the documents, who's reviewing the file. So I'm not convinced that the word independent is the right way to be used here, or the right word to be used. Um, And then uh, down to the real question, what does trevor do so the insurance company is reviewing the claim they're sending it off to this review now to have another doctor look at it it may be that that doctor agrees that trevor is unable to perform the duties of his own occupation and thereby approving the claim or it may very well be that they're going to say no and if that happens then of course there may be a legal claim that can follow in the meantime it's a difficult situation to be in because there has not been a denial we're speaking about October the 3rd versus where we are now at October the 27th, so it's still within the same month. Uh, I would suggest that Trevor you know, keep every makes a written record of what has happened thus far, what has been said to him, and maybe send an email or we'll get in touch with the manager and say, if you don't have a response to me by this time, I'm going to consider what my legal options are, uh, because there is isn't a denial yet that we can pursue having said that, You want to put pressure on the insurance company to make a decision and you want to make sure that there's a written record of everything that has been said to you and that you have said to the insurance company and to record the stress and the anxiety, both from a financial and emotional standpoint, what this delay is causing you. So that if there were to be a legal claim at a later stage, that you could raise these issues as well as to how this has affected you. And quite often in these cases, we do see that if there is financial stress and emotional stress, it also exacerbates, in other words, worsens the physical component. And there is a severe chronic pain situation here. There's loss of use in the arm. And quite often with the mental health disorders affecting chronic pain, stress is a, an evil. And you don't want that. And this insurance company is creating further stress. So it's a very stressful situation to be in. So i sure if you've got anything to add to that. I, I think it
2: was very comprehensive. I, I do think, you know, you, you, you were very diplomatic as you generally are, I think. Uh, I'll be a bit more blunt, I, it just it's my style. When you focus on the word independent, it's bogus. There is no independence where they're talking about independent review, independent medical examination. They're not independent. None of these things are independent. This insurance company or any insurance company would look at these claims. They are internally looking and trying to make a decision as to whether or not they're going to pay you or not. And they are looking for absolutely every possible way to deny your claim. And sometimes when they don't find a reason, they invent a reason. And so when they say independent, I don't just question it. I think it's absolute bogus. It's garbage. Uh, unless they can show me that really they went to an outside party. Uh, you know, a field of doctors that they haven't paid anything to, uh, you know, to, to decide if, if in fact, the claim should be paid or not. Uh, so, so this is something that we do see often. I, I agree with Martin 100%. Uh, and I also want to reiterate something he said here, which is that if you give an insurance company a deadline, and I do this as well when I'm hired to, ret- you know, when I'm retained to to help someone with this, insurance companies like to just play for time, And it's not because they want to make your life miserable. It's because they don't care. It's an apathy. And if you tell the insurance company, I'm giving you a deadline. I'm not saying you to give them 48 hours. I'm also not telling you to give them three months. But you can tell them, I need an answer within seven business days or within two weeks or give them an actual date, You know, seven days from now or eight days from now or 10 days from now, whatever it is, by 4 p.m. Eastern time uh, or Pacific time or whatever it is. Give them a deadline and say that if by that point you're not giving me a decision, I will take that as a no and I will then seek legal representation. That's how and I would put that in writing to them. Trust me, that will elicit a response. If it doesn't, well then you have your answer, right? It's a no. Yeah. And if they give you a response, it's either gonna be a yes or a no. Either way you're gonna to want to know. And that's what usually kills people, right? It's this anticipation and not knowing what's gonna happen. That's what's happening with Trevor here. So give them that deadline and Don't trust the process because you can't trust them. Trust yourself. Give them that deadline. And if they come back and say no, you know who to call.
1: Trevor Than, nicely done. Thanks for that email and reaching out. Here's the number you want to carry forth. You can do so, one 855 821 5,900 and My Disability Questions is also another option for you. We're going to get to uh, to Travis when we come back after a short break. Travis, your email again for you and everyone else. Help at disabilityrights.ca. We'll continue. This is a disability law show.
0: You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment.
1: Disability Law Show, that's what you're listening to here every week. Savan Tamarkin, of course, co-founding partner Samfiru Tamarkin is here, and Martin Willems, who's handling things for the firm on the West Coast, but you can reach out across the country, anywhere outside of Quebec, and you will be taken care of indeed. 1-855-821-5900, help at disabilityrights.ca. And for easy-to-read, quick, concise notations... About about all the topics under the disability umbrella, there's an even easier website called ltdfaq.ca. Check that out when you got some time, ltdfaq.ca. Uh, time for Travis. Travis says, hey, guys, I'm concerned that one of my doctors will no longer support me being off work, but I'm not ready to return. Will having another doctor write medical reports for me affect my claim? I also do not think my psychiatrist will support medical accommodation for remote work, but my family doctor will. Would that affect my claim with my LTD insurer? I've been on long-term disability for 1.6 years, and my change of definition is next year. I would like to know my legal rights regarding the change of definition in my claim, especially if I'm not feeling better. I also struggle with bipolar disorder, comorbid, and uh, with other anxiety disorders, CPTSD. My insurance company has been calling a lot lately and using tactics to try and get me to return as I'm not ready. What do you think, guys, about Travis?
2: Wow, this is an interesting scenario here. Um, so Travis, let's just start from that two-year mark because you've mentioned that and I want to make sure that our listeners are aware of that. what that means. So again, going back to basics, under most long-term disability policies, to get LTD, to get long-term disability benefits, for the first two years you have to demonstrate with the help of your doctors that you cannot perform the essential tasks of your own occupation. Beyond the two-year mark, the test changes it changes from your own occupation to any occupation for which you are suited for so that means that to get ltd benefits beyond that two-year mark of, of getting ltd you have to show again with the help of your doctors that you cannot perform the essential tasks of any occupation for which you are suited for by training, education, or experience. And typically what that means, if we're looking at commensurate income, that's another phrase that we use often. Mm-hmm. At that two-year mark, can you get a job? Can you work in an occupation that will pay you, let's say 60 65% of your pre-disability income? If you're able to work in another occupation that will pay you that, then it becomes there's a question mark. We have to do more of an analysis as to whether or not you would qualify for LTD. But it could be that the insurance company would be correct to stop benefits at that point because they could argue that you are, in fact, able to do some other occupation for which you're suited for. But if you're not able to perform the essential tasks of any other occupation beyond that two-year mark, well, then you should continue getting LTD in this case the complexity here is that you have what appears to be a bit of a disagreement or a dissonance between some of the doctors treating travis he's saying that uh, uh, he he has uh, uh, his psychiatrist uh, who may not support potentially him uh, having medical accommodation for remote work but his family doctor will and the question becomes i mean from a practical standpoint what documentation is provided to the insurance company? Keep remem- remembering, by the way, that insurance companies are within their right to also ask for clinical notes and records. So it's not just the reports produced, it's also the records. I think a lot depends also on what the employer is willing to accommodate. You know, remote work is one thing, but if you can't sit, for example, for a prolonged period of time or you have PTSD as he has, anxiety disorder, I'm not sure the remote work necessarily solves the issue for these kinds of psychological uh, uh, scenarios. Uh, so it, it is complicated to figure out if he should be getting LTD beyond the two-year mark. My view is that if ultimately Travis feels that even with remote work, he is unable, he's unable to work in his occupation or any other occupation uh, to perform the essential tasks of, of those occupations. Uh, and And if at least one of his doctors supports him, I think he has an argument as to why it is that he should continue getting LTD i can see the insurance company potentially taking the position wait a second there is another doctor that says that you should be able to do that work but remember we're not talking just about his own occupation it's any other occupation so again this is one of those cases where i don't know that we have enough facts necessarily but there is a complexity here that would warrant us speaking with him getting more information perhaps understanding a bit more about what the psychiatrist is saying what the family doctor is saying and understanding a bit more about the kind of job the kind of occupation that he has the extent of the disability, the impairments that he's suffering from as a result of the bipolar disorder and everything else, anxiety and PTSD, and then we can advise him. I, I'll tell you this, and again, I'll, I'll, I'll have Martin comment on this too, because I'm sure he has something to say here, uh, but to me, because we have doctors here with multiple opinions, diverging opinions perhaps, I would want to know what Travis thinks. I would like to understand how Travis feels about this. It's true that we always want to get the information from the doctors as well. Ultimately, what they say goes a long way with the insurance company or should go a long way. But it's also important to understand that there are people here involved. It's not just the doctors. It's the individual, him or herself, that needs to be ready to go back to work in some capacity. And to me, that is the starting point. Once I ask somebody, do you feel you're ready to go back to work to any kind of work? Perhaps another occupation at that two-year mark. If a person says no, then the question becomes: Okay, well, do you have any doctors that support you being off work? Mm-hmm. If the person says yes, well, then it doesn't matter what the doctors are saying. He feels that he's ready to go back, so he should try to go back. So I'll leave it at that, Martin. I don't know if you have anything to to say here, but it's an
3: interesting scenario. It is an interesting scenario, and you see it every now and again. It's not that common. That doctors disagree but it has i have seen it before and you know if it is it i'll use this as an example the psychiatrist may have seen travis three months ago four months ago um not on a regular basis and the family doctor may be seeing travis on a regular basis to be updated with how things are progressing or getting worse so the family doctor may be in a better position to give an opinion ultimately as you say we may need more information here but Using the insurance company's own language, we look at many factors, not just the doctor's opinion. And you are 100% right. We should also hear what Travis has to say because Travis would understand and would be the person who's living this. If he says, when I am faced with a return to work, it increases my anxiety. It increases my stress. My symptoms get worse. Well, that should be a consideration. Ultimately, is he able to go back to another occupation? We don't know. Is it a gradual return to work? depends. If he even tried to do that and his condition wasn't, that in itself would be evidence, right? So it really depends on the circumstances. I've seen doctors, clients say to me, my doctor doesn't want to get involved in the insurance claim. So that's a very unfortunate reality, but it does happen. But that does not mean that this person is now suddenly able to return to work because they don't have that doctor support. So definitely there's an arguable claim here.
1: Yeah, and I guess I know, Samantha, we've got to wrap it up in a minute, but at this point you don't want to start reaching out to other medical professionals and doctor shopping, just you got to stick with where you are, right?
2: Yeah, and again, this is a conversation we can have. But he already has a GP and a, and a psychologist right. or a psychiatrist. Right. We need to make sure that we understand what they're saying before we go to someone else. It could complicate things even more. Again, more of a reason to talk to us. Doesn't cost anything to get this advice from any member of our team.
1: All right, well done, gents, and that'll do it for a, another hour and another show. You want to reach out now that we're done? You can to Martin or Savannah or their teams. Easy, easy. One eight five five eight two one. 5900, the email address we've been using and continue to use is help at disabilityrights.ca. And finally, for any further questions you can ask anonymously, go to mydisabilityquestions.com. We'll catch you next time on the Disability Law Show.
0: The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment.